This is Dan Fagella, and you're listening to AI in Industry. This is the final episode in our series on advancing your career in the era of AI. The entire month of October has been focused on just that theme. We had more LinkedIn messages on this theme than anything else. Those of you who haven't been in touch via LinkedIn, you can always reach me, linkedin.com slash in slash Dan Fagella. Pretty easy to find on there. But I get a lot of personal messages, as I often do from our podcast listeners, about this series in particular. It got me pretty excited to think about what we could do with this kind of series in the future. People who had let us know that they've already used our podcast to help advance their career to get a raise or find a job in an AI startup or whatever the case may be because they've learned a lot about AI strategy and applications by listening to the show. If you got something out of this series, I'd definitely like to know. So feel free to find me on LinkedIn and pop me a note. And I imagine we will do a similar series on advancing your career in the future because so many people got a lot out of this one. So what I wanted to do in this analyst episode, this is our final episode, is sort of overlap some of the insights from our guests with some of the insights from our broader interviews and research here at Emerge. And our last episode here in this series on advancing your career in the era of AI uh, with Brett Greenstein of uh, the head of AI at Cognizant, Brett touched briefly on something that I've heard many, many times in the last 18 months, and this is roles. Roles for non-technical leaders in the era of AI. What do they do? Do they just keep running the compliance department, keep running the customer service department, and let the AI people do the AI? No, as it turns out. Um, And so what I'd like to do today is cover three AI-related career roles that do not involve coding. Where can you move forward in your career that doesn't involve a lick of coding, but still involves being involved in the exciting AI projects that are going to overhaul your business, overhaul your industry? I have three of them. We're going to start with the lowest level of AI contextual knowledge and go all the way up to the highest level of AI contextual knowledge. There are a lot more roles in these three, and there's ways to break them down. In fact, we're going to be doing a separate entire report on the topic of career paths in the era of AI, so keep your eye out for that. But today, I'm going to be covering three of them, and I think Brett did a great job of kind of teeing up this topic. So the first role that non-technical folks can have in the era of AI that does not involve coding is iteration and quality control. So this means sort of understanding the result and providing feedback to data scientists about how well we're doing in terms of getting to that result. So let's say, for example, I work in the marketing department and we're working on a recommendation engine. So new users that visit our website, we're aiming to have higher cart values. We want more of them to buy and we want more of them to buy more on their first engagement with our website. And so let's say that this is our goal. Of course, we're going to need data scientists. We're gonna need data scientists to set up a recommendation engine. We're gonna need experts to work with those data scientists to determine the features to train that recommendation system on, et cetera, et cetera. But once we have it up and running, we're gonna need some kind of feedback loop here. We're gonna need to take a look at who these new customers are that are coming in and spending. Are they spending more? Are they spending less? Um, Of those that are spending more, Uh, Is it just an anomaly that they're spending a little bit more, or is it statistically significant? Do we think that they're behaving in a totally different way than our normal customers, and maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing? Um, That feedback loop, that iteration on what these initial tests are, that's the job of quality control. So there's going to have to be subject matter experts, in this example we're talking about marketing, who continuously are communicating with the data scientists and saying, hey, from what I can tell, 
We do have a lot more big ticket buyers for these kinds of products, but it seems to be coming at the expense of these other products. And so I'd like to see if our recommendation engine is leaving out this other set of our products, and that might not be a good thing. So that's an example of feedback. That's going to be ongoing. That kind of feedback has to be sort of continuous, particularly in the first, you know, three to six months of a, of a big AI project like a recommendation engine at an e-commerce site. So quality control and iteration is a big deal. One way to really sort of do this well is to have a very firm criteria up front of how you're going to measure the success of the project. Those of you who listen to the podcast for quite some time now, the first series that we did when we um, turned over the format of AI in industry to cover a new theme every month, the first theme was called Getting Started with AI. And we had an expert uh, named Jan from NVIDIA. And Jan had made a really excellent point. He said, what you want to do is you want to start off by testing an AI project against something that you very much already know your success criteria on. You know exactly how you measure success, whether it's a time horizon, a cost, whatever the case may be, and you want to test an AI project there so you already have an existing benchmark. If you haven't already read that article, go to emerge.com, that's E-M-E-R-J.com, type in getting started, and you can see that lengthy article that we did about that podcast series, and you can see some of Jan's quotes in that longer article. We also have a report on that same topic, so you'll probably see the more lengthy report if you're interested in actual AI adoption at your company. So that's iteration and quality control. Anybody with subject matter expertise who can talk a little bit of data science, you don't need to be technical, but can provide feedback to data scientists about how a project is doing and how it's being interpreted by you, the subject matter expert, that is quality control. So that's a valid role, perfectly valid role in the era of AI. A bit higher than that role in terms of contextual understanding of AI, again, no technical knowledge, but contextual understanding of AI, is that of a project manager. And so this is to say the person who is managing not only the data scientists, but who is also managing the subject matter expert. So this is kind of one level above someone who's just providing feedback in terms of quality control. This might even involve setting those goals in the first place. We mentioned kind of having your benchmarks in place. The project manager is very likely to pull together the subject matter experts and the data scientists, come together and get a sense of what are going to be our time horizons here. What are both sides of the, of the, the business are both sides of this project, the data scientists and the subject matter experts, think is a reasonable time horizon. What do we think might be reasonable costs here? Do we need outside expertise? What are going to be the measurements of success? What are going to be the time horizons that we work with to get to these initial benchmarks that we set together? So a project manager is going to have to understand what the data scientists are saying conceptually, understand the subject matter expertise of the other folks on the other part of the business, and pull those ideas together to say, here's our plan and we're going to stick to this together. This project manager is going to have to have a critical role, and this is getting those two teams to work together. In an existing enterprise, this is, they're kind of speaking different languages, and so the project manager has to have a good sense of pulling these folks together and making that something that's normal for them. Here's one challenge that's going to come up in that process. I'll tell you right here and right now. One challenge is that data scientists may feel like continuously having meetings with subject matter experts is keeping them from doing what they like to do, which is tinker with algorithms. And subject matter experts may feel like 
speaking to data scientists, it's taking them away from what they get paid to do, which is their job, whether it's fraud, whether it's marketing, whatever the case may be. They get paid to deliver on certain results for their boss. And if working on this AI project is like a side thing, it's this annoying little extra thing that they keep having to do month after month, even though they just want to do the normal work that they do that you know earns their main commission, makes their main boss happy, whatever, that's a recipe for failure. As a project manager, we have to be able to appeal to the higher level leaders in the company and say, hey, the expectation for this cross-functional team is that they devote time to this project. And if that means we have to reduce their responsibilities elsewhere, then that's what we have to do. To set that expectation firmly as the project manager, to have the, the ability to go upstairs one floor, to go to the directors, to go to the heads of and say, hey folks, this is what's needed. These data scientists need these meetings with subject matter experts, and this many folks in the marketing team are going to have to be in this meeting room twice a week. We absolutely have to do this, and, and we need to be able to have that as an expectation. A project manager is going to need to have the forcefulness to sort of encourage that to get that done and get those two teams to work together. But that's another excellent role, a very high-level role, of someone who doesn't need to know how to code but with a little AI knowledge of kind of how these use cases work, how AI, kind of how data and algorithms play together, so to speak, and knowledge of the business, combining those two things, and an AI project manager can be born. So this is a career path. This is a way to get involved in AI, again, without touching code. And the third potential role is arguably the highest level role, which is the AI strategist. This is to say someone who really thinks about where can we deliver artificial intelligence into our business. Let me frame it to you this way. Jeff Bezos, for example, is Jeff the best HTML programmer in the world? Is he the best C++ programmer in the world? The answer, of course, is literally certainly not. That's the, the appropriate answer is literally and certainly not. But who marshals the internet more effectively for making money than Jeff Bezos? And the answer would be essentially nobody. So Jeff doesn't have to necessarily write the code to understand the possibilities of the internet in terms of business. You can learn about sort of the beginnings of Amazon and Jeff's initial hypotheses and sort of how he went about testing those and the culture at Amazon. Fascinating to read about, but the fact of the matter is this is not the guy that writes the code. This is the guy who knows conceptually what the internet can do. He probably knows more about the code than you know your average Joe off the street, but not nearly as much as people who do it for a living within Amazon. But what he understands is how can we leverage AI to have a competitive advantage against those who are playing in the e-commerce space? Or how can we leverage the internet? How can we leverage the internet in our marketing? How can we leverage the internet in terms of how we reach our clients about our user experience? And Jeff has to think about those things. The same kind of thinking is going to have to be applied to artificial intelligence within any existing enterprise. Again, and the person who thinks at the high level, who's in the boardroom, who's speaking with the C-suite, who says, hey, here's where I believe we need to focus our, our efforts in terms of overhauling our data infrastructure. Here's where I really think we need to completely change the way we're interacting with our customers in a way that's going to give us a tremendous edge against our competitors. The people who think about where AI fits in in that strategic level, they are going to be playing arguably the highest level of 
kind of non-technical AI role within an existing enterprise. So an AI strategist, this is a role that would involve a good deal of knowledge about AI capabilities, but that AI strategist role is a critical, critical role and one that could very well be on the career path for folks who are interested in getting involved in AI but do not want to learn how to code. So hopefully that was useful for the folks tuned in here today. This is a bit of a distillation of some of what we learned in the podcast series as well as some of what we've picked up from our own surveys, polls, and additional interviews here at Emerge. And this leads us into our next interview series. The entire month of November is, oddly enough, focused on strategy. The entire month of November is focused on the theme of planning your corporate AI strategy, and we are kicking off next month's series, so be sure to tune in next week. We're kicking off next month's series with, I hate to pick favorites, but one of my favorite interviewees. So Ian Wilson is the former head of AI at HSBC which is essentially one of the largest banks in the world. This is a fellow with tremendous experience. He was actually one of our research advisors in our large AI and banking research report that took about six months to compile. So Ian really played a critical role in helping to interpret some of that data. He's been on our AI and banking podcast. If you haven't heard that, make sure to go to iTunes, type in AI and banking, and you can learn more about that show. But Ian essentially was hired to do strategy, and now he actually does strategy with a number of other companies. He's kind of spun off his own AI strategy consultancy here. And Ian speaks about his experience in the enterprise and what it looks like to really put together, to get started getting a corporate AI strategy off the ground. You're not going to want to miss it. So make sure to tune in for that particular episode. And if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to drop me a line on LinkedIn or leave us a review on iTunes. It always means the world when people let us know what they like about the program. So that's it for this month on advancing your career in the era of AI. Make sure to tune in next week as we kick things off with planning your corporate AI strategy. And we've got four or five exciting episodes next month on exactly that theme. So this is Dan Fagella signing out. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of AI and in Industry. This is your host, Dan Fagella. I hope that we catch you next week. Many of our executive listeners often get great ideas from our podcasts or our newsletters, but they end up coming to us for more help. So they might see some research project that we did with the World Bank, and they might want to do some of their own research on deeper market opportunities for AI in a specific sector or understanding the growth rates of AI in a certain domain. Uh, they might have seen some AI business strategy work that we've done with a pharmaceutical company and maybe ask about things along those lines or see one of the presentations that we've given at the United Nations and ask if we can speak at an event. Uh, and while we certainly do these things, uh, we're certainly involved with clients on pretty big projects on a regular basis, a lot of the time these messages will just end up in my personal inbox. People will find my email or they'll just find me on LinkedIn and send along a message and this ends up being actually pretty tough to juggle at this point, given the travel schedule and given all the, the client projects that we're involved in. And few people actually know, particularly people who only listen to the podcast and, and aren't on Emerge.com or on the newsletter, uh, don't know that we actually have a services page that lists what we can help with. So we are not the best at everything, but in terms of what we do, which is mapping the capability space of AI and conveying that to executives in ways that help them win in the market, specific services tailored to that can be 
be found at emerj.com slash services. So here at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, we work with government departments, we work with public companies, uh, we work with organizations who are serious about making AI a competitive advantage. And again, we actually do list sort of the programs that we have. So many of the podcast listeners don't know this. These messages end up in my inbox and then I'm you know, traveling for two weeks and I feel really bad that I get back to people later, but you can reach us through that services page or simply send along an email at services at emerj.com services at emerj.com from there dylan or marcus or one of our team members will be able to get back to you much more quickly uh, than i would via linkedin so if you're interested in doing more with what you've learned here if you have serious business initiatives related to artificial intelligence and you want to take your organization to the next level just simply reach us at emerge.com slash services that's emerj.com slash services or just email services at emerge.com that's emerge with a j So thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Next week, again, we're going to be diving into AI use cases and trends and conveying the transferable lessons that you can bring to your organization. And I look forward to having you here next week. 